Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly. Welcome to our Parkland anniversary special. I want to introduce you to my co-host Taylor, our intern at WBAI. Say hi, Taylor. Hi, everybody. Yeah. And we are in the midst of this epidemic. Now we must give you an update on the killings at Michigan State University before we remember the tragedy that took place in Parkland Coral Springs, Florida five years ago. So let's hear this clip from Governor Whitmer. We're all broken by an all too familiar feeling. Another place that is supposed to be about community and togetherness shattered by bullets and bloodshed. We know this is a uniquely American problem. Today is the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting. We're mere weeks past the Lunar New Year shooting at a dance hall and a few months past the shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde. And looking back at a year marked by shootings at grocery stores, parades, and so many other ordinary everyday situations, we cannot keep living like this. Our children are scared to go to school. People feel unsafe in their houses of worship or local stores. Too many of us scan rooms for exits when we enter them. And many of us have gone through the grim exercise of figuring out who our last call would be to. Last night, a lot of kids on this campus made those calls. They worried for their lives and for their friends, for their fellow Spartans. Parents across Michigan were on pins and needles, calling their kids to tell them that they love them. As parents, we tell our kids, it's going to be okay. We say that all the time. But the truth is, words are not good enough. We must act and we will. But today, let's hold the MSU and East Lansing communities close. And let's think of the families and friends of those who have lost, those fighting for their lives, and the countless Michiganders whose lives are forever changed by yesterday's shooting. We will get through this together. And we will do it with the full support of the state of Michigan and the U.S. federal government. As a gun violence prevention activist, hell, as a mom, as a human being, I try not to get numb to these repeated killings. Hell, I try not to succumb to despair that we live in a country that is so callous and immune to human suffering that we sacrifice 45,000 lives every year so the gun industry can make a profit on firearms. An unlimited, ever-growing, bloated balloon of profits on the death of our, the deaths of our people. Okay, people, enough hand-wringing. We're also here today to acknowledge the fifth year anniversary of the Parkland killings of 17 students and teachers at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Coral Springs, Florida. 
This is an extremely live show. It is a call-in show, and we're expecting a call from the Gays Against Guns team who is in Washington, D.C. for their bloody Valentine's Day action and will honor the victims at the Trinity University. It's sorry. It's the Trinity Washington University vigil remembering Parkland. We'll also be taking your calls and sharing a clip from Paul Rowley, who traveled with March for Our Lives during the summer of 2018. Oh, yeah. Our guests, Debbie Miller, Stacey Wesch, and Angela Weber, self-described gun violence prevention activist, badass bitches, offer thoughts on a wide range of topics surrounding parkland, gun violence, Florida, Ron DeSantis, and surviving trauma. And we share a special Black History Month premium from authors Wendy Jones and Jennifer Barry Hawes. But first, what are our public officials, our elected officials, the public servants, what are they doing to keep us safe? Here's an update from Angela Weber of the Honor with Action Coalition. First, what are our elected officials, the public servants, doing to keep us safe? We have an update from Angela Weber of the Honor with Action Coalition. Hi, welcome, Angela. Hi, thank you for having me today. Um, so, you know, it's a significant day in Parkland. It's been five years since that horrific tragedy just rocked our community. Um, and whenever we look at what has happened and what is currently happening, we can look at the state level and we can look at the national level. Um, at the state level, it's really appalling. We did pass after our tragedy, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Safety Act, which had a lot of good provisions in it. It raised the age to own a firearm to 21. It introduced Florida's red flag law, which has been used over 9,000 times since it was signed into law. And so it is appalling that today, five years later, our governor is has already promised and said, deliver to my desk a bill that will remove the guardrails um, to carrying a concealed loaded weapon in Florida. So um, just, gosh, it's only been uh, two weeks. Um, two weeks ago, the governor, actually the governor didn't introduce it. The um, the House introduced a bill called HB 543, and it's Florida's permitless carry bill. And the governor is actually erroneously referring to it as a constitutional carry bill. And what this bill would do is it would remove the rigorous background check. It would remove the fingerprinting and it would remove the required training for gun owners to be able to um, obtain a permit so that they can carry their concealed weapons in public, loaded and in public. Um, it is just, we, whenever we look at other states and we see, um, what has happened in other states that have passed similar laws, we have seen gun violence increase. We know that in other states within the first three years after the passage of such a law, homicide, gun homicides have increased by 22%. And now because people, misunderstand that maybe if they can just get their hands on a gun, they can legally carry it, which would not be the case. But, you know, public perception isn't always reality. Um, we know that we're going to see gun thefts, especially gun thefts from cars, skyrocket. And this is going to fuel gun trafficking. And this is going to fuel um, crime guns. So, uh, you know, it's just appalling to me, especially here that we are on this, um, you know, significant um 
remembrance of five years since since Park One that our governor is pushing for this Florida permitless carry bill. So um, he actually created a new um, a new committee in the House. It's called the Constitutional Rights, Rule of Law, and Government Operations Committee. This bill passed out of the House uh, last week. It, actually, the bill was introduced seven days later. It went to committee. So if that doesn't show you how quickly they're fast-tracking this bill, nothing does. And it's already going to be heard next in the Judiciary Committee. And also its companion Senate bill has just been filed. Um, it was just appalling. I mean, the, the Republicans didn't even bother debating this bill. They just rubber-stamped it right through committee um, to appease our governor. So that is what, sadly, is happening in Florida. Whenever we look nationally, um, we know that we had a big win in that we had the assault weapon ban pass out of the House of Representatives for the first time um, since it sunsetted uh, in the 1994 assault weapon ban. And so it sunsetted 10 years later. So it sunsetted in 2004. So we it did pass the House last Congress. However, it did not get a vote in the Senate. Um, so it has had to be reintroduced with the new 118th Congress. Um, the assault weapon ban is S25. It is uh, sponsored by Senator Feinstein in the Senate. And in the House, it is sponsored by uh, Representative uh, Cicilline. So in the House, we are, know that we already have 41 co-sponsors. So we're, survivors will be traveling to D.C. and they'll be working to um, lobby Congress directly to bring that up to 51. And then Ethan's law um, is another bill. And if I could just step back for a moment, the reason these two, ball, two bills are so significant is because after our tragedy under the Trump administration, um, the Secret Service, by, uh, President Trump had the Secret Service look at, at targeted mass, mass violence. And whenever they put out the report, they found that 76% of school shooters get their firearms from home where they're, or the home of a loved one, or I'm sorry, a family member, um, where they're easily accessed because they're unsecured, right? So if we can just get these firearms secured, we can drastically reduce gun violence in the form of school shootings, um, unintentional shootings, youth suicide, and also stolen crime guns. Well, just in the past 10 days, another updated report or an additional report came out. It was funded by the Department of Justice, and they looked at school shootings, school mass shootings from 1966 to, I believe, it was 2019. And that report found that it was, in fact, 80 percent of mass school shooters get their firearms from home. And so what Ethan's law does is it requires gun owners to safely store their firearms if there is a prohibited gun owner that lives in the home or if there is a minor in the home. Um, and so that bill is being championed by Representative Rosa Delario in the House, and there are already um, almost 200 co-sponsors for that bill. And in the, the Senate, uh, Senator Blumenthal out of Connecticut is is um, championing that bill in the Senate and is a sponsor. And the reason that both of these sponsors are from Connecticut is because Ethan Saul was named after Ethan Song. Um, he was a 15-year-old boy who went over to his best friend's house uh, right down the street, and um, they were able to access an unsecured firearm that was stored uh, just in a shoebox under a bed, and um, Ethan was, was killed by that unsecured firearm. And so this bill honors uh, the Song family and Ethan Song. Angela, thank you so much. This was terrific. So you see, I, I'm just stunned. Let's just think about those 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 statistics. 76% of the school shooters. And and now 
New research shows 80% get their guns from their home, their family members. We can really, really reduce gun violence by rules of safe storage. So thank you so much for telling us about Ethan's Law today. It really gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, it's really on gun owners to be responsible. And, you know, gun owners agree with this legislation. It just makes sense. And um, it would be fabulous for gun owners to reach out and let their lawmakers know, hey, I'm a responsible gun owner and I support Ethan's Law. And I want you to, too, because I know that it's going to save lives. Awesome. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI 99.5 FM. Thanks for listening to our Parkland anniversary special. Radio Gag is here most every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m., bringing you the latest in the gun violence prevention movement. If you miss a show, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. Back to you, Sarah. Thanks a lot, Taylor. So, Gays Against Guns has a tradition on Valentine's Day. It's called Bloody Valentines. And they go down to Washington, D.C., and they do different kinds of demonstrations and actions, usually civil disobedience. Uh, And at the time, uh, 2018, it's actually pretty easy to do that. Now, after January 6th, it's a little bit harder to do that. But uh, so, well, long short, uh, Gays Against Guns was in D.C. in the Senate Heart Building demonstrating when Parkland happened. And they began to hear as they were coming out of being arrested and all of that, they they heard more stories about who was killed, and they started organizing, and they started organizing on the bus on the way back. One of the first times I ever saw Gays Against Guns was at LaGuardia High School. I was horrified by the shooting. I went with my friend to LaGuardia, and there were human beings there already, uh, dressed in white, carrying uh, placards with the pictures and a short bio of the people who were killed. So it's an important day. It's a significant day. And Gays Against Guns has been invited to participate in the Remembering Parkland commemoration and vigil at Trinity Washington University. So we're expecting a call from our radio gag producer, uh, Ty Kersley. We're going to see if he's going to come in. We're going to give him a few more minutes. But here's what we've got for you next. We are going to play a clip from Paul Rowley. Now, Paul, in 2018, traveled with March for Our Lives and documented much of the MFOL movement at that time. This particular clip is a demonstration at the NRA headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, you're going to hear Gays Against Guns, Kathy Marino-Thomas, and you are going to hear a really terrific, powerful activist, and I'm going to introduce her after this clip. So uh, let's hear uh, clip number four, Reggie. Today we find ourselves in Fairfax, Virginia, in front of the NRA Museum. We'd like to make it a museum for sure. It's actually the headquarters of the NRA. We are out here protesting, standing up for sensible gun legislation. Hey! Good afternoon. 
My name is Kathy Marino Thomas, and this is Gays Against Guns. I'd like to introduce you to our human beings. These folks stand in the place of people who've been killed in gun violence. They are taking up space to honor those that we have lost in the most violent of ways. Please give them a warm and welcoming round of applause. One, two, three, and take me out at the ball game. Shoot me down at the bar. Come to the movies and watch us fall. Come to church, come to school, kill us all, go on block, block, block any gun laws. Sell your soul, have no shame. Yes, it's one, two, three strikes, we lose at the old gun game. Again! Take me out at the ball game, shoot me down at the bar. Come to the movies and watch us fall. Come to church, come to school, kill us all, go on block, block, block any gun laws. Sell your soul, have no shame. Yes, it's one, two, three strikes you lose at the old gun game. Your own front door, for the threat of being struck by a stray bullet could almost be promised. I know what it's like to grow up in an atmosphere of conditioned and normalized brutality. The nightly sounds of gunshots, police lights shining through your windows, and bodies covered with white blankets, blood soaked dry in cement sidewalks, and pictures of dead children taped to lampposts. I know what it's like to have your neighborhood friends disappear. Later reported shot and killed, their names and faces washed away in media, forgotten and erased, not deemed significant enough to make an appealing media story. I know what it's like to feel completely and negatively lost, to hopeless, to feel that your voice is considered weak and inferior, that you have to accept the reality of destruction because the skin that you're clothed in, the zip code that you reside in, and the oppression that defines you. But I am not hopeless anymore. Many stories of gun violence go untold. People of color who are living in inner cities, impoverished communities, and violent neighborhoods are not given the platform to speak about the injustices that we suffer day in and day out. They are confined within these racially oppressive boxes, chained to the cycle of violence, affected by the distribution of illegal firearms and the easy accessibility of these weapons. Why is it easier to find a gun than it is to find a parking spot? We are robbed of the idea of peace and closure. All of us are robbed of the idea of peace and closure. In order to speak of the disparities of gun violence, one must include all forms, components, and aspects that conclude this conversation. We must acknowledge that police brutality is not violence. The excessive force and abuse of authority, the enacted fear and applied aggression that terrorizes communities of color, the failed justice to the victims enrages communities of color, the failed justice served to these victims of color enrages us. Emphasizing policing will only lead to more deadly confrontations between officers and citizens that they're sworn to protect. We must acknowledge that mass incarceration of our black and brown youth correlates with gun violence, as well as the underfunding of public education, which is a human right. Public education is a human right. And over-policing in inner-city schools that supports the school-to-prison pipeline that confines millions of brown and black youth across the country. Why does this have to be the reality 
of minorities in this country? Why does this have to be my reality living in this country? Do you want this to be your reality? No. Do you want this to be your reality? No. It's hard to think of freedom when corrupt politicians are content with gerrymandering our districts. It's hard to think of freedom when greed-driven organizations desire profit or the value of human life. It's hard to think of freedom when communities of color are disproportionately affected by gun violence more than their white counterparts. Systematic racism determining the fate of gun violence prevention organizations that can save lives. Representatives aren't even considered enough to send brown and black people thoughts and prayers. People of color are feeling as if we do not have a say in our voting system, that our vote does not impact the polls. But I want to remind every single person in this crowd, our vote is our power and we will use it. We need intersectionality within our Congress, elected officials who represent the people to the fullest extent, understanding that communities of color they serve and committing their time to digest and reduce the violence that controls our streets. Today, our voice demands for the voiceless. I am a face for the faceless, and I speak for those brown and black youth that do not have a seat at the table because they deserve a place. bears unity and without incorporating diversity within a conversation that affects all, there can never be progress and we can never push forward. A bullet sees no color. So every single person who knows that gun violence has morphed itself into our culture should be as pissed as I am. Almost 55 years ago, on August 28, 1963, the strong and courageous people marched on Washington for jobs and freedom. Today, on August 4, 2018, we march at the NRA for common sense gun laws, and the intention is save lives. We carry, we carry the legacies of our past activists, their blood, their tears, their sweat, their determination, and we'll fight until every life and every voice will be heard and uplifted. People ask me if this movement will be the reason for the spark and change in our youth. I say no. For the youth of this generation have already been inspired. They've already been hungry for change and development. This movement just fueled the fire, igniting us into positions to fill and completely change the narrative, control our legacies, and work effectively now in the present so we can blissfully live in the future. Because I want to have children. I don't know about you guys, but I want to have children. With promised freedom. A generation that has no history has no future. And if we forget to acknowledge our history, we will have no future. So can you please repeat after me? I am. I am. I will be. I will be. The change. The change. I am. I am. I will be. I will be. The change. The change. What is your cost for freedom? My name is Shahira Jalil al -Basit. This is my cousin, Sabika Sheikh. And I'm here with a few questions for the NRA leaders. Okay. People, it's live radio, and it's really exciting. And we have our producer, our radio gag producer, Ty Kersley, calling in from Gays Against Guns Action in Washington, D.C., so, Ty, you on the line? Hey, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? Great. It was a great day. Um, we're just now, just got off the bus, the uh, clock bus. We um, made a little bit of a, a ruckus on the way here. And, um, you know, 
got some people's attention. It's the five-year marker since Parkland, and we have Team Enough, who is a youth Brady organization, and they have been getting on top of the bus. We've been stopping traffic and telling people to pay attention, listening to their stories, and people honked at us. We said, hey, you can wait two minutes. And give these people time to talk, time to give you the stats of what's going on in our country. Sorry, I'm walking uphill. Wow. <laughs> wow. Stopping traffic. That is, that is really, really great. Yeah, so like, yeah, go on. Manny and Patricia uh, brought the guac bus. Um, we had a couple of places to stop first. We spoke and uh, went to the White House and Wilson Building. And a couple other, and in Chinatown. And um, everyone kind of, some people are listening. Uh, some people, you know, are aggravated. But after a while, we got to have people's attention. And then, you know, in D.C., protests are completely different here. So the cops are very quick to change traffic and, and kind of let it uh, die down before anybody was stuck in traffic too long. Okay, okay. So what is the action at the Remembering Parkland vigil going to be like? So we have a lot of, uh, we have our HBs. Um, we've represented Parkland students and uh, educators before and in a March Before Our Lives, March and at different events. So we've brought those placards to have um, their stories remembered. And we have a lot of youth speakers, a lot of people in, uh, in not even 21. We had a survivor talking who had been in two mass shootings, uh, you know, uh, or two, had two life-changing gun violence events. One was a mass shooting. And they're talking and giving uh, the time to pay tribute to the people that we've lost and that they've lost, but also to explain that this is too much trauma for one country. Yeah. Our own people under attack. For what? Profits? No. You know, there's, we know that there's a bigger, darker story here. And that's why we have this radio show. So, people, I hope you're listening. And I hope you're learning a lot about why we have all of this gun violence in America and why we can't seem to control it with legislative actions, with changing culture, with all the things that we're doing. So let's see. How long, okay. do we, how long do we have? We got a couple more minutes. So, you know, I'd love okay, to I'm hear. Let me see if I can find someone to uh, talk to you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let me get Jay. All right. Oh, yeah. Jay will be great. I'm supposed to be with. <laughs> I had so much fun when I was uh, in D.C. in the beginning of December at the GVP summit. And I know I heard that they were playing Cards Against Humanity on the bus. And got we it. had so much fun. Oh, you got Jay? Hey, Jay, how's it I going? Have, I have um, I have someone else here. Oh, okay. Hey. She's live, though. Can you just give, this is Sarah. She's on the line. That's your left ear. Yeah, how you doing? Who am I speaking with? Sarah? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hi, Sarah. How are you? Happy uh, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Is, is this Antonio's? Oh, no, this is Kevin Kramer. How are you? Oh, hi, Kevin. I'm good. I'm good. What's uh, what's the action like now in, in uh, D.C.? 
Oh my gosh, it's been amazing. We just went to a couple of major places within the city, from the White House to the Capitol, driving past, uh, in holding in the middle of trouble, causing a little good trouble, just like John Lewis wanted us to, uh, to bring attention and awareness that nothing is being done. Like yesterday, three people were murdered at Michigan State, and the sad truth and reality is that people are going to continue to be murdered by all forms of gun violence. And when I say all forms of gun violence, Sarah, I'm talking about not just the stuff, the shooters, the three people that count as um, gun violence. I'm talking about the proximity violence that happens. I'm talking about the interracial violence that happens with gun violence. I'm talking about police brutality. I'm talking about the people that don't have the mental health services so they commit forms of gun violence. All forms of gun violence need to be dealt with conversed about and regulated so that we can protect our livable future. It's not okay to know that last year alone there were 647 mass shootings in this country and no one has done nothing about it. And the only conversation that both parties are able to give me is that we're going to put guns in our schools or that or we're going to have um, uh, monitors to protect. Like, no, there, it, there, has, there, are, there are real solutions. And I think those solutions come from the community, who, the communities and the people who are witnessing the violence. And when we sit down and talk about community solutions and they're coming from a place of, of working from the ground up and not the top up, then I believe that everybody will redeem a livable future because no one wants to be no one wants to live in a country to know that last year alone eleven hundred people were murdered by the police and out of that twenty seven percent of them were black and that's because two two point nine percent of people are are that that are killed are higher than are black people are higher than any other race. So when I say gun violence, ma'am, Miss Sarah, I want you to really comprehend what I'm talking about. I am talking about all forms of bullets to the people that legally are supposed to have them, to the to the things that we witnessed yesterday in Michigan State. And something needs to be said, something needs to be done, and those solutions rely in the people who are the most affected. And I think that to be honest, if we, if we love on each other a little bit harder and deem them as important, that we can come up with a solution to protect all of us, regardless of parties and regardless of race. It's unfair and it's unjust. Definitely when, definitely when we know that in the United States today, 110 people are going to die by gun violence if we do nothing about it. That's the, that's the statistic. 110 people will die today, well, every day this year, if, no one, if, if we're not going to do anything about it. Kevin, you are on fire. About it. You are on fire. And I just want to say one more thing before I let you go. Um, you know, I, I don't care what you say. Uh, you know, George Floyd, Tyree Nichols, uh, pandemic. That's gun violence. Uh, yeah, yeah. But our... Our country is traumatized. Our world is traumatized, but in particular, America is just, we're the walking wounded, right? And the only solution that we give people is guns. They're so available. Guns. Is healthcare available? Are schools it's not, available? It's not available. Our, DC has the highest, highest, I'm sorry to cut you yeah, off, but no. DC has the highest, highest homeless population per capita based on its size. And just like gun violence, just like police brutality, just like housing, no one's doing anything about it because the powers that be, the people we give our money to, they're not deeming us as valuable. So that's why we are extendable to them because they do not care about us. But if they did, listen to me, if they did care, if blue and red and all that stuff that they say really matters, there will be solutions 
real concrete solutions to validate and save us all. And, and, and one thing I hope people that are listening to me, so that I can hear the words that I'm saying, that there are no political saviors. No one's coming to save us but us. And I'm talking to the American people, the people who are thinking and believing the way that I'm thinking. We have to save us. We keep each other safe. So once again, my name is Kevin Kramer, and I'm with the Palm Collective. I'm also with Free My People. I'm with Harriet's Modest Dream. And enough is enough. Yeah. No more 2023. <laughs> Kevin, you are on fire. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, you're so welcome. And have a blessed Valentine's Day. And remember, Thanks. today is the fifth year anniversary of people being murdered. Um, yep. Parkwood, uh, Parkwood, that was 17 people five years ago on Valentine's Day. All um, right. Have a blessed night. Take care. You too, Kevin. All right. Uh, Ty, we're going to say goodbye. Ty, you there? Hello. Yeah, we're just going to say goodbye. Okay. And uh, thank you so much uh, for being there and for standing up for preventing gun violence, reducing killings and injuries in you know, our country. These, these young people's uh, organizational skills and what they're accomplishing, I want to check back in with Kevin and see where his, his, what this is going to be. It's really, really um, impressive. So I've had a lovely day. Great, great, great. And talk to him about organizing a gag DC chapter. All right. Love you, Ty. Take care. Right. And uh, we'll Thank see you. you real soon. Bye now. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Tyler because we're at, um, sorry, Taylor, because we're at 635. Uh, Go ahead, Taylor. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI 99.5 FM. We're bringing you the Parkland Anniversary Special, the fifth traumaversary of the shootings in Parkland, Coral, Sp- Coral Springs, Florida, at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, in which 17 people, students, and teachers were killed. Well, we want to take some calls. Uh, and that means you, listeners. So I would like you to call in right now to 212-209-2877. What are you thinking today? What do you think are solutions to the gun violence problems? Have you given up? Are you waving the white flag? Are you doing something to change? Kevin was pretty inspiring there. Uh, what do you think about what he said we have youth all around us. Um, yeah. So uh, give us a call at 212-209-2877. I know there's a lot of gaggers out there listening and probably some people in Florida, too. But uh, maybe we need to give you a little bit of time. So uh, let's hear now a clip from... The badass bitches. I'm sorry. These people are gun violence prevention activists in Florida. A lot of them live around the Parkland, Coral Springs area. They started organizing in 2018. Um, They're going to tell you what some of their plans are today. So we get to hear uh, Debbie Miller, Stacey Wesch, and Angela Weber from the Honor with Action Coalition. And Reggie, that is, I think it's clip number six. Great. Okay. My name is Shahira Jaleel. And that's my cousin, Sabika Sheikh. I'm here with a few questions for the NRA leaders, so let's do it. Dear NRA leaders, do you know how it feels when you receive a phone call from Pakistan 
Shahira, there's been a shooting at Sabika's school. You frantically start dialing Sabika's number. Your hands shaking, your entire body shaking, but you're just trying to dial her number. Pick up the phone, uh, Sabika. Pick up the damn phone. Just, just pick it up. Just answer my call. Dear NRA leaders, you know how it feels when moments later you receive the second phone call from Pakistan. Time stops. What you hear next literally rips life from under your feet. The one thing that I never wanted to happen to Sabika is exactly the thing which has happened. Sabika, my cousin, my sister, my friend, my mentee, my mentor, has been shot dead. Dear NRA leaders, do you know how it feels when you hear the scariest news of your life? And you're just standing there, numb, lifeless, slapping your face again and again and again and again in the hope that this is just a dream and the alarm will go off and you'll wake up. And you know how it feels when the alarm never goes off and you never wake up. Dear NRA leaders, do you know how it feels when your entire family is in Pakistan devastated, 16,000 kilometers away, devastated, and you arrive in Santa Fe, Texas to bring Sabika back home? And do you know how it feels when during that 45 minute long drive from the airport, during that longest drive of your life, you see blood everywhere? Blood coming out of every house, every pavement, every streetlight, every road, every shop? Dear NRA leaders, do you know how it feels when you know full well that you're headed to meet Sabika who's lying on a freezing stretcher in a funeral house? When you know this full well but you keep texting her on your way to the funeral house, begging her to reply, reply just once. Dear NRA leaders, you know how it feels when you finally meet Sabika, your most beautiful cousin, your dearest sister, and you hold her hand, feeling her icy, chilling, lifeless fingers, and you feel those icy, chilling, lifeless fingers for an eternity, so that clearly was not our Florida activists. In fact, you were listening to Shahira Delio, and she is talking about her sister Sabika that she lost in a school shooting in 2018. So that was from the March for Our Lives demonstration at the NRA headquarters in Virginia. And we have a listener on the line, so please call in, okay? And we'll take your calls. And that number again is 212-209-2877. So, hey, listener? Yes. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Deborah from the Bronx. Deborah, how are you? I'm doing quite well, but uh, that was some story that... that uh, that was being related. I'm, I'm try, I was trying to think of something different, um, and I don't know if I heard this from someone, but uh, the fact that uh, manufacturers are the ones who produce, you know, the elements that come together to, um, you know, make for the violence. Uh, how about 
the uh, bullet manufacturers. Has anybody ever looked into that? This is really important. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up, Deborah, because we need to regulate um, ammunition because guns cannot fire without ammunition. Thank you very much. And ammunition is not regulated the same as guns. And -hmm. you can buy it over the Internet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and let's, hey, you know, if I'm buying 500, 1,000, 2,000 rounds of ammunition, why am I not on some FBI sheriff Mm -hmm. list? Why are you not Mm -hmm. coming to my house, knocking on the door saying, hey, Mrs. Lilly? what what are you doing and what are you doing it with? Yeah, what's your reason? Great Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Does anybody, I I don't know. I I heard that. It came to me. And I'm happy to throw it out there. Well, it's it's really, really a, a very strong point, and I really appreciate your calling. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you feel when you keep getting this news um, hit you in the face in the morning about this? Uh, I'm, and that I'm, I'm like, where are we? Are we in the? You know, uh, back in the day, there was a um, comic strip uh, like Superman Bizarro Land. I, I get that. You know, uh, that was what it was back then. I feel like that's where we are. We are. Same, and then it's some iteration of of the um, uh, Groundhog Day. You know, yeah. it keeps, you keep hearing the same thing again and again, you know. But it's not exactly the same thing. But it's too similar that there's many people dying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so thank much you. for calling. Thank you for taking I, my call. I really appreciate it, talking to you today. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, do we have another caller? No. Ah, we don't have another caller. Okay, guys, come on. You heard Deborah. So insightful. Yes, you know, and why aren't our public officials thinking this way? Ah, guns, fine. Ammunition, no. Regulated. Come on, people. It's not that hard. We can do We can do this job. We can reduce deaths, suffering, injuries. Anyways, um, we're going to do something right now. So um, if you want to talk to us, um, you got a call. And it's 212-209-2877. But while we're waiting for you to call, we're going to play another clip. I want you to hear from the women in Florida, and they're going to tell you about um, their plans for today, the fifth anniversary of the uh, Parkland shooting. Clip seven. This anniversary, traumaversary, this date, um, how can we talk about what's happening? What kind of plans do you have, feelings, hopes, and what do you see as uh, progress? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> in South Florida, we have now some um, representatives that have become quite vocal. Actually, not only in Florida, we have in Orlando also. In South Florida, we have Jared Moskowitz, who has become very vocal in the gun violence prevention movement. We have Maxwell Frost, who's in Orlando, who's very involved in the gun violence prevention movement. Um, Anna Eskamani. So, you know, it, it's nice seeing somebody in the in the fight with us. Um, but progress, <laughs> it, it's it, we're 
I have a feeling we're just in this for the long haul. And, um, you know, my daughter came home from school uh, to be down here with, you know, with her friends and, you know, and we get together with our friends every year on this day. We, uh, you know, we go to the memorial at the park in our community and people talk about what changes there, you know, and they, they ask us, they ask the people who are still in the movement, well, we're still working on it. We're trying to do everything we can, you know, to make Florida a safer place. We just, we need more people in this movement with us as time has gone by since the shooting, it, it feels like more and more people have been dropping out of the movement. And again, I don't know if it's because they feel it's a lost cause. I don't know if they, because people have just kind of um, moved on. It's but, um, it's tiring. It is. But, but yeah. you know, right? we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. For some people, you know, healing and activism can't go hand in hand. It's either one or the other. And so they need, they need time. Space. Um, for us, last year, our family made the decision to move away from Parkland. My youngest son was supposed to start attending Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And that, coupled with the lasting community trauma that I already talked about, um, really prompted us to move out of the area. Uh, and so now that, you know, we're in a new home and we're trying to start a new life in our new town. And part of me wants to bring back our pre 2018 family, you know, Valentine traditions. And then part of me feels really guilty in doing so. So it's hard to find that right balance. Yeah. And how do you move forward without having the guilt of feeling like you're dishonoring the victims and their families? And so I reconcile that by just continuing to honor with action. You know, I'll be, I'll be taking some, um, you know, advocacy actions on that day, but, um, yeah. you know, also, you know, it'll be with a very, very heavy heart. It's a rough you, you had asked about um, progress. Uh, you know, I think if we look at what happened at the State of the Union, as far as we're looking at, you know, progress in our, in our whole country, and we hear President Biden's statements, you know, it shows that he continues to be our nation's greatest and strongest leader on the call to ban assault weapons, right? It's it's our president, <laughs> which is wonderful, um, but also frustrating that he doesn't have a Congress that is supporting him in, in the same um, robust way. So if we look at last Congress, the assault weapon ban for the first time in 10 years did pass the House. And, um, you know, that was on the backs of survivors working really, really hard to secure the co-sponsorship. Um, or the, the co-sponsorship. And um, so now we mentioned that we've been volunteer leaders with a lot of organizations. I'm now the uh, director of community engagement for Newtown Action Alliance. And so I lead one of the things that I do is I lead virtual lobby events every week um, so that we can lobby on these on these high priority bills. Um and so we're going to be working really hard again to get co-sponsors in the house. And last Congress, it was really important yes. to survivors, um, March for, our, I know to March for our lives, survivors to the junior Newtown Action Alliance, 
um, it was really important that they wanted to know where their senators stood on the assault weapon ban issue. And so we worked really, really hard before midterms and really hard during the lame duck session also to push the, the Senate for a, an accountability vote. And we didn't get it. And so this Congress survivors still want that accountability vote in the Senate. And we're working really hard to make that happen. Um, one thing that we did see this week that was an encouragement was the formation of the new Senate Gun Violence Prevention Caucus. So we've had um, a gun violence prevention task force in the House, but now we have something similar in the in the Senate. So that was really encouraging. Um, and like we've already mentioned here, we gained some really good gun violence prevention champ- champions in our um, House during midterms. We know that Representatives uh, Maxwell Frost and Jared Moskowitz, they're going to continue to be gun safety leaders in the House and also as members of that gun violence prevention task force that I mentioned. But how sad is it that this is, a lot of this is happening on the backs of survivors? And I mean, you know, we get there and the Uvalde parents are there and the Oxford parents are there and the Highland, I mean, in the, it is just like, what, what is that? Like you, you've suffered the greatest loss you can possibly suffer, right? You've lost your child or your, I, let, let's go with your child, which, to me, is like the greatest loss you could possibly suffer. And then you have to go and beg, beg, and I'm not exaggerating, right? Beg mm-hmm. your your senator, your senator, where there was to just do a, something to do something, and they're like, mm, got a phone call, gotta go. I mean, it's like, what do you even say to that? Like, what do you even say to that? And to me, I, I, that's where we are as a society when people say, oh, that's not how we are. But that is how we are because that's what is happening. So, yeah, that's how we are. And it, it's disgusting. I mean, for lack of a better word, I can't think of another word. Listen, you want to blow me off, that's one thing. But you want to blow off uh, a Kristen song who's who's – son was killed by an unsecured firearm or the Uvalde parents or Brandon Wolf, you know, from Pulse. I, that, that's just a whole nother level of evil in my eyes. It is. And then you make them beg for their government to help them. Ugh. It's just, it's like that dream about the vampires on a conveyor belt and you're trying to stab each one as they come by. They're so horrible. And and then we have these lawmakers and we saw it, you know, the pens that they were wearing at the State of the Union address. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's no secret that decency and responsibility and safety are no longer ingrained in our firearm industry leaders. But now we're seeing MAGA Republicans, like, but Republicans in Congress that are yes. abandoning their self-imposed social norms. Indecent, Angela, indecent. It's indecent. It is indecent. I mean, they're literally replacing our sign of freedom and democracy by taking off their flag pens Flags, and replacing right. it with the number one choice of killing machine for mass shooters and assault rifle. I yeah. mean, they were proud to showcase their degeneracy. Yes, Andrew, Representative Andrew Klein was just showing off these little pins that he was handing out to everybody and just, just like shoving it in I'm people's seen. faces. I it's, know it, that was it was when, yes. I, you know, when survivor disgusting. parents are there, when, 
I mean, I, I, and I loved, um, Elizabeth Warren and the, uh, crayon lapel pin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we've got to say children, I don't care what you say to me about, you know, your God given right to freedom. You know, I'm going to say to you, number one killer of children. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories, for being so generous with your time for uh, being so talented in the things that you do and also bringing us back to the reality of um, what it's like to heal from trauma and to be in a community that's been traumatized. Um, you know, by our horrific gun culture in America. So I know there's more work to do, but I love how inspiring you are. And, um, you know, so rest up. Badass bitches. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, Sarah. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to share our voices. So those are my friends, uh, Stacy Wesh, Debbie Miller, and Angela Weber from Florida. They're all doing their own uh, memorials today. They're comforting their families as they're on the front lines, uh, working to keep us all safer. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Gays Against Guns, and uh, we're going to tell you also about um, our premium. So... To find out more about working with Gays Against Guns, go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. And be sure to check out our website to learn more about the actions. You can sign up for info about meetings and actions at gagsignup at gmail.com. And that really is type in G-A-G-S-I-G-N-U-P at gmail.com and send us an email. Okay. And remember that everyone is welcome to gag meetings. We like gay people very much, but you do not have to be gay to be one of our partners in our organization. Okay. To find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about actions. Sign up for info about meetings and actions at gagsignup at gmail.com. It is time to end our show, and don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or any major podcast platform. Have a great and safe day. It's called If I Were a Rifle. If I were a rifle, you would carry me in your arms, clutch me tightly, fight those who antagonize me. If I were a rifle, you would reassure me no harm will come to you. I will defend your rights until my dying day. But I am not a rifle. I am not a cold object made of steel. I am breathing. I am real. I am not lifeless. But in your eyes, I may as well be.